Hey everybody, welcome to season... Nothing. No season. We're not doing seasons anymore, actually. Are you serious? Did you forget that quickly? Well, I thought we were like starting it and abandoning it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> everybody, welcome to Highly Unlikely with Josh and Janae. This is how oh, life goes dear. for us. Janae tells me something very specific and then five minutes later... Literally I have... right before we started recording. We were, we're going to talk about how we were going to unveil to you guys the little changes that are coming up with Highly Unlikely. And well, I made this much more interesting than you just did. saying it. You did. Good job. Well, um, technically this would have been season five. Yep. But we um, and our team just kind of looked at the podcast and frequency and everything. And so moving forward with Highly Unlikely, it's going to be just numbering episodes and happening every other week rather than weekly and rather than seasons. And so... Um, yeah, just excited. And there might yeah. be little breaks in there around holidays or different things, but for the most part, every other week and excited for what, yeah, God's going to do with it all. Yeah. I just like have run into so many people who, um, I mean, I was just talking to somebody the other day who was talking about just as much as we love it, they love being able to just sit and have yeah. these conversations and just listen. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think for us too, just hearing what's in each other's hearts and right. having to talk about things that, we don't always get to visit about. And so thanks mm-hmm. for going on the journey, everybody, yeah. for the last... I just talked to someone on Sunday. I love Highly Unlikely. You're always my drive to work in the morning. And mm-hmm. so really cool. Yeah, it is cool. So uh, for today, we're going to... We're still going to draw questions from the bowl, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, we got to keep the, some of the that. tradition alive. And then we're actually going to hit some Q&A that people have been mm-hmm. asking and some that our even, last episode we did Q&A but we it really turned into like a boundaries holiday episode because that was a lot of the questions right. you guys submitted so we're gonna try get through the ones that we didn't really maybe we touched on but didn't dive into and yeah just gonna finish those but what's the question of the day how would your life be different if social media didn't exist that's a great question they just went through a year of not being on Instagram and I think yes. you have a lot of thoughts on how your life I is do. different. I do. I've been processing. And I just was in a meeting with our some people from our team this morning about evangel women's social media. And I just said, I am contemplating how I'm going to reemerge into social media and if and when and all that stuff. And um, But we were just talking about because we were on a road trip, I think, right? Driving back for the holidays. And I was just processing what I've learned that was last year, like the Lord challenged me so much in like discipline and self-discipline. And a part of that was where I was not disciplined was social media. Was I like using it inappropriately? No, but it wasn't a tool that I picked up and used. It was using me, which is the goal of social media. If you Mm -hmm. did not know that Mm -hmm. it's the only thing where you are um, the product, Um, you are who they're after with it. So um, I can't remember what, I might just give a couple of my thoughts from it. Is that okay? Yeah, I think you should. That we talked about me. If you if I forget anything I said, yeah. remind me. Oh, I know. Yesterday was our daughter's birthday. Yes. And I didn't post about her because- Because <gasps> we talked about this? <laughs> yeah, and I kind of felt guilty. And I was like, why do I feel guilty not posting about my daughter's Who can't birthday? read and doesn't have Instagram. Yeah, hmm. and so Janae just brought up the point of like, if we're- and you know what? Every, you do what your conviction is. But for us, it was like, if I'm posting about my six-year-old's birthday, is that really about her or is it about me? And then yeah. I started thinking about a lot of things that are posted. And I'm like, oh, what am I, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Or like, what am I posting this That's for? That's what I had said. Like, so here's my observations. How is my life different without specifically Instagram? And I try to clarify with people, I had access through my assistant, like, and, and like Facebook, cause Facebook is not super tempting for me in regards, like it's it actually causes me anxiety. And when I, I still had access to that and could see, but my assistant took more of like managing messages and like would bring all those things to me if necessary. Um, so I still, and if I felt like anything specific, like when it came to conference, I said, Hey, could you share this and these pictures or whatever? Mm-hmm. So some people maybe thought I wasn't off of it cause my profile was still posting or sharing things. But how did my life change because I wasn't in control of social media or on social media? I would say, yeah, I think I really am, will be or am far more conscious of why, the why behind posting, 
and the purpose of social media that it plays in my life or yeah, the why, really the why of why you're posting. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the thing I said to Josh was like, I just am realizing like by not being on social media, I definitely was not connected to certain people, specifically friends in ministry. Um, that is probably a really huge hole from the past year where it, but then I had to rely on the Holy Spirit. Like when a friend was prompted in my mind, that's a, like leads a church, like to text them and text encourage them, them. search them. Yeah. Rather than just DM them or like, mm -hmm. like their, you know, little clip that they shared. It was far more sincere. Mm -hmm. um, but I, in gen general, sometimes I'm prompted to pray from seeing someone's story or like yeah. it, it um, leads me to actually connect with them if I see their stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that was a big one of like posting about our kids or our life and like, or shouting people out on social media. And I, I thought, cause I, there was just one specific scenario and it was around a certain like a conference for me where, or birthday or something where I had this realization. Cause you were showing me like, oh, there's like different things, like posted like nice yeah, things Jimmy about you. Yeah, wasn't on, so I felt the need to show her stuff. He did. Well, he did. It wasn't like, oh, my eyes will burn and if I reels, look at Instagram. <laughs> the reels that we used to watch together and laugh at, I just kept sending to her. So that, it's well, that's a what Gail, my stockpile. assistant, said. She's like, Josh knows you're not on here, right? He keeps sending you reels. I said, that's because they're hilarious and he wants to watch them together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, oh, what was my train of thought? Oh, but just... There was a couple of scenarios where literally someone posted something with all these words about me that were kind, but knew that I wasn't on social media and wouldn't see it, but never said it to me in person. Mm. And that was like, oh man, I don't ever want to do that. And even the conviction of, um, man, how often would I have post shared something or posted a story or commented on something, yet someone texted me three weeks ago and I still haven't responded to them, mm -hmm. but they're seeing... So it's not that you're not on your phone. It's what you're choosing to do with your time, right? Yeah. So I think I was far more effective in a lot of different things, but I also learned unhealthy patterns. Doesn't matter what it is. It, your flesh will fight for idleness. Mm. And um, yeah, right? Is that the word? Idleness, yeah. right? Just being idle. Because, yeah, it was far more tempting to watch shows that I wouldn't. Like, mm -hmm. or just to sit down and binge watch something here or there. Or I started, what was it? I went through, like, playing this game Dots that I played for a while. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I've literally replaced this thing God asked me to lay down. But it wasn't just to lay that thing down. It was to teach me more about my time, mm -hmm. right? And I replaced it with something else that was not fruitful. Mm -hmm. So I, like, deleted Dots. I had to delete can candy crush because that was a thing for a little bit. So you just, yeah, I, I learned a lot about my phone in general. Am I free from all of it? hundred percent not, but I think, yeah, I've learned a lot. I don't yeah. know. I think there are people who use it really well because you yes. realize that they're, they're not just posting for likes or, you know, for themselves. But I, I think my friend Noah who posts like encouragement to people in his church to continue walking in their faith and stuff. So I think you can use it yes. really well. I did like a small scale study or had like a realization. You did a small scale study. Well, this last week. And I, I can't What'd remember. I kind of talked to you a little bit about this morning, but at the beginning of the year, I started the 30 day Bible shred, yeah. which is about 35 to 40 chapters of the Bible a day. So that means he's reading, well, which for you looks like listening. Yeah. I mean, I would you're probably trying... need a better prescription of my glasses if I actually oh, can't read the Bible in a month. It. Yeah, I have to listen. And the goal is not to study the Bible. The goal is to catch the large picture. Well, you read it so quickly. Yeah, you see the large themes, right? Yeah, the themes over and over, like you read through the Old Testament or you read through the law and it's like, God gives the law, Moses repeats the law. And then when he dies, he tells everybody the law again. So you're like hearing it over and over and over. And you start to get themes of like what God mm -hmm, was, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get through to people. And so I literally haven't had time. And that's where I do think you have to decide what are you going to replace social media with? Oh yeah, you rather said than just creating a vacuum. you have to keep up with this. You haven't had time to look at your news apps. You yeah. haven't had time to like. But then, I mean, honestly, yesterday I hadn't, I was behind on my reading and I was tired. It had been a long day and I opened up Twitter and I just started scrolling. Don't you mean X? Is it not called X, X now? I opened up X, which <laughs> is still says 
Twitter in some places. I don't Is know. Is it? I think so. Interesting. I think you still go to twitter.com. Um, anyways, and I scrolled for a little while and I was so, I came up and I told you, I was like something in my spirit just isn't yes. right. Like, and I was uneasy and anxious and I like something was off in my spirit. And I was like, Lord, are you, are you asking me to pray for something? Like, are you wanting to speak to me? Like what's going on? And then I realized like all oh, my input totally because the stuff I read was, you know, news and things that I had, I didn't know about and it was disturbing yeah. and it just totally set my spirit off. And so thankfully I closed it and then I listened to my Bible reading for the day, but I just realized like how, and this fall I like read a lot of news and I was using quite a bit of social media and I just realized kind of the state my spirit was in, yeah. you know, and it's not really till you step back that like, if, if you're on TikTok all the time, like you are, you're, I'm not going to say you're getting dumber, but you're not getting smarter and mm -hmm. you're, you're being trained to think and your spirit is being handled a certain way that you just have to take a break from in order to even realize mm -hmm. it's happening. I mm -hmm. think, you know, right. You saying that did jog ways that also it was different where I would say my anxious, like any anxiousness or I think a anxiety of anxiousness. Is hugely connected to social media. To your phone in or general. Or your phone in general, yeah. Um, I, I would argue that. But um, yeah, because even for me, I would say, I told Josh, I, I think, okay, did I spend significantly less? No, because I'm the spender in our family. But um, I didn't buy trendy things. Like, or I didn't, mm -hmm. like, I wasn't, I don't know what's trendy. I, someone was saying something, I don't know when it was, a while ago, but they were like, oh yeah, what's your era? And, and I said, like your, I thought they were saying your aura, like that's mm -hmm. kind of like a new agey thing. And I was like, oh, that is definitely not biblical. Like I was kind mm -hmm. of like, uh, no, what are you talking about? And they were like, no, like E-R-A era, like the eras too. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Which is just kind of a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Um, to just know you're not being influenced by I, other things. Yeah, and that's one of the things for me that, and I've said this before, but just realizing social media causes me at times to like compete with people that aren't competing with me. Oh my word. Or to miss people that aren't missing me. You know, and just- Or that's the other thing I realized. I love people better. Yeah. More. There are certain people- that I cannot see. And even once I'm back, I can't see what you're posting because as a disciple, I feel like you need discipled. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's where social media is a weird thing because it's like a different universe. Because you can, if you're living in person, the only way, like in proximity, in person with people, the only way you're going to see different opinions, comments, things like that is in a deep conversation with them, mm -hmm. right? But somehow, I've talked about this before, even before I gave it up. It's like I've overheard all these random conversations when you're scrolling through, like for sure, Facebook. That is something where it's like, Lord Jesus, just get off of it. See, I, yeah, I turned my Facebook into a page, so I don't even see all that anymore. And yeah. that, that was a great And that divorce. was like, that's where Facebook wasn't tempting because yeah. even scrolling through it, I, one time I did and I saw something and, and it's people in our church that I love the people in our church, right? But then I see things and I want to come and be like, are you? and correct it. But then it's like, we actually aren't even in relationship for me to come and bridge this. So it's yeah. a really hard, it so is, then I just go in frustration, yeah. right? It's like picking your nose in your car. You pretend that nobody's seeing you and and, and then you get confronted <laughs> with like something you said on social media and your pastor saw it or like, you yeah. know, you realize like, this is real life still, <laughs> you know? Like and what you say matters. Is whatever you wrote, picture saying it out loud to like, if it's about a person or saying mm -hmm. it actually out loud, yeah, to other people, which if you wouldn't do it, but. Whatever. That was a long answer to that question, but that's a great that question. That was a great Q&A start. Um, that was great. Super great. Okay. Um, question number two. Question number two. Where do you want to start? At the beginning. All right. At the beginning. Okay. So this one we briefly addressed in the last episode, but how do I give back to the Lord? I think they're talking about the tithe. I would mm -hmm. assume that's an assumption. Mm -hmm. When I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Do you want me to start? Uh, you can start. Great. I feel like I've talked a lot thus far. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> when, I'm, 
we well, I, I the the cliche answer, but the true answer is right. some people are living paycheck to paycheck because they're withholding their tithe. They're not being generous or giving back. And when is that we're, the prosperity gospel, Josh? No, when you're not faithful. Why is it not the prosperity? This is actually a thing, Josh, and I will get into at our house. Because God calls you to steward what in your, what's in your hand. Faithfulness in God's kingdom is not sitting on what you have and trying to get by. Faithfulness in God's kingdom is stewarding what's in your hand, and. So, so the guy who what does stewarding mean? The guy who took in the parable of the talents. Yes, different people were given different amounts of money. One guy sat on it, literally buried it in the ground. When the owner came back, he gave him exactly how much he had given, had borrowed out to him, yeah. and he said, "Here's what you gave me. I didn't want to lose it." And he said, "You're foolish. Like you sat on what you had." And another guy went and invested it, risked it, and and made way more back. And the master came back and said you were faithful. We said, well done, good and faithful servant. That's actually what it's rooted in is multiplying what you have. And so it's the same, like when we read the gospel and we talk about getting to heaven and having God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's he's not going to, he's going to say that to those who multiplied. Are you talking about money? Are you talking about whatever God put in your hands, your time, your talent, your treasure? Or what did you, what did you invest it it in? Right? Like where was it? The reason it's not prosperity gospel is because it's obedience. Right. Like what God calls us to in scripture and to, and that requires faith and that requires trusting God. And that requires risk because it's saying I'm living according to the kingdom of heaven, not according mm-hmm. to what I understand or what, what makes sense. Yeah. And I, I think it's really hard because people who don't tithe are always scared to tithe because they think they're not going to have enough. But people who tithe say, God has been faithful to me. And right. so there is this part of you don't know until you actually take that obedient step and trust God. Right. Okay. Let's talk about some real life examples because I think that is a real life example, but let's let's no, be more it, practical. It is. And I think there are so many factors that play into this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think there are different people set up. This isn't about where you're at in life, right? So like oh, I am at this level of income or that. And that's the beauty of, and I think in God's infinite wisdom where he said 10%, like mm-hmm. that doesn't matter where you're at. That that It's the same across the board. That's beautiful, right? Um, and so, but even when it comes to this, I think of a conversation I had, I don't know how many years ago, many years ago. And it was, I was just talking to the woman and she was really struggling with this. And and it was kind of like finally took that step of faith and tithe. And then she's like, and now I can't afford groceries for my kids. So like, what am I supposed to do? And we just like kind of kept talking and I just kind of kept like about different things or just life or just was kind of asking some like leading questions to try just like see where she was at in this area of her life. And then, and I know this isn't true for everyone, but as we kept talking, then she's like, well, and I got this new car and I have this car payment. And it was like, oh, okay. So what mm-hmm. kind of, this is a brand new car. Okay. This was, you know, there was, there was one decision for this specific scenario. There was one decision of someone where they made a purchase that was definitely above their means that then was strapping them. But then it's God's fault because he asks for the tithe. And that's where then we instruct. And for even us, it's before other things like our tithe goes out before, like, it's like the money comes in, the tithe goes out. Um, and our legacy makers giving and everything, because if we waited till the end, we would, it's really hard to still follow through, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you've like, oh, that goes out to there. There's my rent. There's my this. There's my, there's my nails getting done. There's my hair getting dyed. There's my, and I understand for some people, and I have talked to some people that are like, I literally have no luxuries, mm-hmm. you know? And there are some people where you can look at it and they have stripped back there isn't any luxuries and it's like, and still aren't meeting. Then that's even where we, we talk about FPU and about even that episode, but some people too that do either free financial coaching for people in those areas where it's like, I know Dave Ramsey teaches or he'll have a call on his show where maybe that's the case. And he says, your shovel's not big enough, which means you have to go find a different job Mm -hmm. and you have to make more money then because then, you know what I mean? Like, and I would say, if that's the case, if that's truly when it boils down to, it's not decisions, it's your shovel's not big enough to meet all the other actual needs of your life, 
um, it's not it's not God's fault, right? right? That he asks of the tithe. But um, I do, and this is not, it's not prosperity gospel to say, but if you honor God with your tithe, he might give you a bigger shovel. Because he who he can entrust he with might, he little, also, he can entrust with more. So it's it's the principle in scripture of God's blessing, right? Yeah. yeah. The blessed life, which is true in scripture. Um, the prosperity gospel is when people cling to that and they make promises on behalf of God, which we should take very seriously, mm-hmm. promises on behalf of God for more wealth or prosperity if you give X, Y, Z to God. Um, and I just am one where that's where I just think, no, when you are in obedience, you are under God's blessing, whatever that looks like. That might be your aunt who was caught in addiction, is set free, comes mm-hmm. to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the blessed light. You might be set free from anxiety. You might have this peace you can't understand, which that actually is a promise in scripture of um, peace that comes with like financial peace. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called FPU. Um, so I just think it can get, it's hard because just the topic of money can get really misconstrued, but I wanted to talk some practicals too, because- I think, I think the, yeah. the the big difference in there is God looks at the heart. 100%. And God knows if you're giving to get. There's you know? people that can give- Thirty percent, right? And their hearts could be far from him. <laughs> no, and so it's not. It's really a matter of like God knows your heart, right? You know, and if you're if you're living in obedience out of a right heart, you're gonna see mm-hmm. His blessing. And like you're saying, that doesn't always mean financial blessing. That means an open door to the next thing, or um, you know, some a door opens that didn't open before, right. or you know, God answers a prayer. So. Right. I, yeah, I and agree with you, and I think you're. you're we have I appreciate it. how you're balancing this conversation. Right, because and there's in some ways where I think very black and white, and there's in some other topics that Josh thinks very black and white. Um, but I, I think too, this is what Dave Ramsey teaches, and I might not be doing it exactly right, but we would agree with it. And this is how we started: is um, you write down all, like write it down, write down all your debt, write down all your bills. Um, and, but there's an order in how you pay things. So number one is the tithe, your 10%. And also I we talk about the giving ladder here at Evangel. And like, I was, I also, I think it's very interesting that in the, in discipleship, in the process, the road, the walk of sanctification, um, I think of purity. I mm-hmm. think of all these areas, righteousness, all these areas that God grows us in. Where else do we tell people, you go from zero to 10%. Right away. It's usually outside of, yes, things can happen where people have a radical encounter, radically changed. So sometimes I'll say like, well, could you give God 1%? Mm-hmm. Could you calculate 1%? Could you then grow in your trust to 2%? Because mm-hmm. some people are like, well, I can't do 10, so I'm going to do nothing, right? So don't abdicate God's command in your life that you have no responsibility in your role within that just because— Maybe that intimidates you, but yeah. first let me, be tithe. So let me, so, so. I know there's people who might say like, well, is tithing New Testament? Is that biblical? And I believe tithing is, yes, New Testament. Um, but also I believe what's even more New Testament than tithing is generosity. And generosity in scripture doesn't even start till 11%. So right. I don't even want people to get stuck on like the, oh, I just got to get to 10, you know? And if I check that religious box, right. like we've been talking oh about, my goodness, yes. it's like, it's living a lifestyle of generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, even if God did financially bless you because you gave financially to his kingdom, the goal of that is not for it all to, for you to be a lake all of a sudden and accumulate all his blessings for yourself. It's for it to flow through you. And so you become more generous. Yeah. So, so when you go through the categories, it's like tithe is number one, then it would be like your food, your rent, utilities, like that, your food, food, a home over your head, and then like bills. And then the last thing is like lifestyle expenses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I think of our budget, sometimes that's definitely the biggest area yeah. is like stuff for the kids or like eating out. And and we have talked openly and we are very passionate about it because we've done the hard season of six years of st- sacrifice. For us, it was to pay off debt, but that for us is what financial peace looked like. Yeah. Did we ever stop tithing or giving to legacy makers through it? No. Even if it was $20 to legacy makers every month, we did not want to be a hypocrite in asking others to give to legacy makers when we weren't. Right. And so 
but now that's, now we can do more. And mm-hmm. that's, um, I love, there's some believers that, you know, they get a raise every year or something and, and they say, can I keep my living the same? And can my raise just go straight to my giving? And yeah. just that heart of generosity is so beautiful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just want people to know a little bit. I think it's, Janine and I are both in our careers. We're in our, I'm in my late thirties, you know, like we're established in our lives, I'm you know, to my mid-30s. Yeah, almost to our mid thirties. Um, but I know there's, you know, you can, you can look at the snapshot of somebody's life and be like, well, their life doesn't apply to me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember being in college and being an intern and making $200 a month interning and having to work four hour shifts at a coffee shop early in the morning to try to pay my rent so I could do two year internship. And like, I, I, there's, there's been moments in my life where I didn't have much, mm-hmm. you know, and I always made sure to tithe. Yeah. And in moments when I needed God to come through or to give me an answer, I gave more as a way of like, Lord, I am all yours. Like, I just need you. I need you to reveal yourself to me. And we walked through a substantial amount of student loan debt where we Mm -hmm. lived. Well, even before that, when I, in my first ministry job, I lived paycheck to paycheck, but it's because I chose not to to make my own food and I just ate out all the time. And so like there was lifestyle decisions yeah, we all have you a know, choice. We all have choices for yeah. sure. And then we, you know, we we disciplined our lives to get mm-hmm. out of debt for a long time. So you can look at the space we're in now where we do have a little bit more flexibility, mm-hmm. but it's been a journey and we get that everybody's somewhere on that journey. Yeah, but yeah, it all along the line just had to be wisdom. And even now, like where there's not vision, you you lose restraint. And like we got out of our rhythm of like meeting every week and our budget reviews and what's mm-hmm. our financial goal this month. Even like we're going to save this much or we're going to bless someone. And and then it was just like, oh yeah, we're kind of spending what we're making kind of aimlessly. And, and so it's just true that you can get caught up into that. And I can't even imagine though. And this is stuff that maybe it'd be for a different podcast. I feel like we need a counselor for it too. And then a financial advisor, but mm-hmm. for couples and families where your finances are not combined, that is just really, really hard. And yeah. where you're not a team and you're not in unity. Um, we are like, if you are married, you bring like your if it whole is your self. family, yeah, you bring your whole self, which means you are, your finances are ours, not yours and mine. Um, nothing is hidden in our finances from each other. Yeah. You know, Josh has a little, little stash of cash like that I know about. I don't know where, but it's usually like when you go on a trip, he's like, I've been saving up here and there. Yeah. Let's go do like a fun little outing. Right. Yeah. We got a really cool message from a guy who um, was in a correctional facility and he said, sorry, going off camera. Is it it in the Slack channel? How much, do you remember how much he made or how much he gave? Yeah, so he he ended up giving like out of his hundred thirty dollars that he made that he works because he's he incarcerated. Make, yeah, he works within the prison and they can earn money. And he said, "So my tithe is twelve dollars or something like that." And then he sent a check for like thirty five dollars or to legacy makers. Or yeah, something? to legacy makers. And I yeah. just thought like, that, yeah, God is moving in the correctional facilities through yeah. um, church online and. Just great the yeah. online campus. We're really excited about what's going to happen this so year. So I hope whoever wrote that question, I, I hope you're listening, but I hope it was hel- it's helpful. Um, and I think think too. I know we have different resources even at the church. Like, yes, we've talked about FPU, but mm-hmm. we do have. If you call, you know, there might be different resources that the church has that I don't even know. I think coming up, Josh had an idea of an episode to talk about the iceberg. That is Evangel. Yeah, all the other, all the things that are available to people. An iceberg, you see about 10% of the top, and there's way more underneath. And that is so true about Evangel. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. people know even the scratching the surface of what's available to them. So, so well, last encouragement is whoever you are, and as you're hearing this, just start where you are. Don't feel guilty right. about what you haven't done or what you think you got to do. Don't, like, be obedient to the measure of your faith, you know, mm-hmm. and... And just start where you are. And even if you're mm-hmm. like, man, I've made a lot of money and I just live paycheck to paycheck. Like, it's okay to start new today, you know? And God can give you self-control because mm-hmm. oftentimes that is the, that's but like usually you said, the issue. You yeah. and I need systems to be self-controlled. Like we in do. our finances, we need systems. Oh, 100%. Together. And the Lord has had to renew it. Yeah. Renew me. I had to cut uh, up a handful of credit cards. 
Yeah. Far more than you when we got married. But you're also a more generous person than I am. So well, that's very kind of you. There's a balance as well. That's very kind. Okay. Next one. You go. How can I deal with a broken family? That applies to all of us. That part. We all have brokenness in our families to some degree. Nobody's stable to go to in time of need. Also question um, finding, how do I find depth in relationships uh, with a cycle of coworkers coming in and out? So I would imagine this is somebody who maybe works in a place where they're trying to build a relationship or even trying to be a witness for Jesus, but um, they don't see the same coworkers every day mm-hmm. or maybe um, they just have a different variety of people mm-hmm. um, coming in and out of their lives. And so... Let's start with how do I deal with a broken family? Yeah, I think attached to it to. is nobody's able to go to in a time of need. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said, I'm sure someone said it before me and I heard them and it's their quote, but um, there's the family that you're born into, that you're given, and there's the family friends mm-hmm. and close friends are the family that you choose, you get to choose. Mm-hmm. Um we have those people. Like we have people that our kids, there's going to be a conversation one day where they're like, and I think they they realize and know, you know, where it's like, are they really my aunt? Or are they mm-hmm. really my uncle? It's like, oh no, they're just, they're like the friends that literally are like family because we're in each other's lives and the depths of each other's lives yeah. and know each other. Um, so am I saying they replace your family? No, mm-hmm. I'm saying though that like, for us, those are the people that are in proximity to us. They're yeah. like in our season. They're in, we share same interests. We, you know, we love, yeah, love each other and are in close proximity. Um, and for us, that has always been through the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that's where I think biblical community is so important yeah. on this topic. But biblical community that has transparency yeah. and that is healthy. You can be in a really unhealthy connect group. I pray it's not at our church. If there is one, let us know. Like, yeah. it's just like, but eventually, but you can't monitor everything mm-hmm. so close to a T. So, um, cause I just think someone stable to go to in a time of need, people that feel like family, that isn't mean it's like roses all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So that I think of the people that we're closest with, we are able to navigate disagreements or arguments or not arguments even, but just disagreements. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you look at the example of Jesus and just who was Jesus blood family in the Bible? People would say Mary and Joseph, right? But Jesus also had half brothers Mm -hmm. because Joseph wasn't his biological dad. And cousins that are mentioned in scripture, but we don't think of them because Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, was raised with them for sure. But then when he comes into his calling and really his adult life, there's like, there's difficult scriptures where he says like, who are my brothers and Mm -hmm. who's my mother? And so I want to, I don't want somebody to misinterpret that and say like, oh, when you grow in your faith, you're no longer responsible for those you have commitment Mm -hmm. to because Mary Mm -hmm. was with Jesus at the cross. Right. You know, like he had blood family with him all the way through. Right. But the way he lived his life is he surrounded himself with the community that he wanted and the community that he needed. Like Mm -hmm. we know that his friend Lazarus dies and Jesus cries, like he's brokenhearted, Mm -hmm. even though he'd raise him back to life. Right. Like he had people that he cared about and family that he, he chose in his life. And so one way that I heard it say was like, who in your life are you responsible to? Who are you responsible for? And who are you responsible with? Yeah. And just always having people to put in those categories. And if, Can if you're- Can you maybe explain a little bit the difference? Yeah. Cause like who are, so who are you responsible to is like this question. Like if I don't have broken family and I don't have anybody to go to, how do I enlist people in my life that- I'm responsible to them. Like, mm-hmm. or if I have a question, I go to yes. them or they're my mentor or they're a spiritual yeah. parent and and going out and you got to enlist those people. You got to recruit them into your life um, and ask them. And Janae is amazing at this. She'll see people and see something lacking in our life or our family or our skills and we'll 
be like, who are we recruiting into our life in this area? You know? Yeah. To speak into our life. Yeah. yeah. And so there, there are people that you can choose that will speak in. And then there's also, who are you responsible for? Like, who are you doing that for? So don't just be a taker, mm-hmm. but if you're ahead of another person in a season of life, you mm-hmm. can look at the season you just walked through. And if you're a youth student, you can go and you can be an e- on the e-kids team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a college student, right. you can help youth because you have the closest perspective to what they're walking through. Mm-hmm. And so who are you responsible for? And then who are you responsible with? And that's like, who's mm-hmm. doing life right alongside you? You know, and Jesus mm-hmm. had the 12, but he also had the three. They saw him transfigured on the mountain. They, right. they saw his glory and who he was in a way that nobody else did because right. they were doing it with each other. Mm-hmm. And we all need to know like, uh, even for us, like being leaders in the church can be a lonely spot, but we've thankfully had people that God has put around us that are doing it with us. Right. That they just get it in a way that other people don't. 100%. You know? 100%. I think a really quick answer, let's say that I'm hoping maybe this person is in Bismarck. It's like, hey, if you're not in a connect group, let's start there. Because mm-hmm. then you would have a group of men or women to go to, um, which— Hopefully that whole group would then point you directly to Jesus. My best friendships are the ones that, yes, I go to them, but and they help and support, but ultimately they point me right back to Jesus yeah. and to him and his goodness and his word. Um, but also building that in your life, it comes at a cost, and the cost is giving of your time. The cost is the intentionality. And maybe even navigating through a couple friendships to try to figure out. Because I've had some people where I'm like, you're, you're a beautiful friend. Like, and we'll be friends. And, and I'll say to Josh, like, I don't know if I'm going to be like a heart level friend with that person, but like, I enjoy them. Like, mm-hmm. but they're like m- my people. Like, For sure. And it's okay to find like your people, but it takes time and seasons and, and that's okay. And, um, but when it comes to broken family systems or broken family, which like Josh said, there's no one perfect family. um, That's just really hard because God positioned and has equipped certain people to either be your nuclear family. So like he purposed that person to be your mom or dad or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if they're not in his will or in his wholeness, that's grieving the Lord as well, right? So that wasn't God's original design. So it's not like you're finding something to replace, right? Mm -hmm. Because, but you can find a support system for sure and people that feel like family for sure. Right. There is, there's research on this, even in like developing friendships. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like circles that are building out, just talking about the layers of friendship that you need in your life. And so even the part of this question that's talking about like with coworkers who are in and out, like, Your deepest, because they, whoever wrote this, put that right in the same category as depth of friendships. And I would say- Right, are you trying to find your people at work? Yeah, your deepest friendships should be in a connect group or should be people who are at the same place spiritually. Because I even know people who are are good friends with other people in the church, but they're not at the same place spiritually. Right. And so maybe they like, they're fun to hang out together with, but that's not your iron sharpening iron. Right type relationships. And we need all mm-hmm. those. Like it's 100%. not, you shouldn't try to take every relationship to the deepest level. Like yeah. there's some people that it's okay that you say hi and have a short conversation in the hallway mm-hmm. and that's it. So just mm-hmm. knowing what you're searching for and where to find it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think church is a great place to start. And the best thing is to just not come in, sit in a service, sit your butt in a seat and walk out. It's like, get involved, get on teams, try different areas. Like, I just think of me, like I would have never met my future husband. I would have never met some of my closest friends. If I never would have just walked up to the welcome desk at this exact church and been like, I'm new. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where do I go? Right. Um, I think too, yeah, fig- yeah, figuring out, I'm sorry, whoever who wrote this, if your like workplace has a lot of turnover, um, and if that's the reality of your workplace, then mm-hmm. probably it's not where you're going to find depth of relationship. And if you're working, I would assume you don't have time to like sit and talk because hopefully you're working. Mm-hmm. So, but I know like even working at the hospital, it was like, we didn't have crazy high turnover, but um, it was different moments where no one turned out to be like my best friend, but there was a couple people that we had a different heart connection and was able 
to take those moments where they would come about a hard thing or a mm-hmm. tough topic and able to minister. But I think too, sometimes, like you said, if you're not on the same level spiritually, I just remember like doing my notes and there's some crude joking or this or that. And I had to know before my convictions and I had to know how I was going to handle those things before I ever started mm-hmm. working. And so, and not in a way of condemning anyone, but like the fact that I'm going to be held accountable on judgment day for my actions and my yeah. actions alone. Right. So um, I think there's that tension of it too. And that's where a connect group is great because all those people should call you higher. Right. Yeah. And, and love you. And yeah. I think yeah. it is important to, to understand too, where's my crowd? Like Jesus was surrounded by a crowd all the time. Right. Or a lot of the time. And that was the people he was trying to reach, you yeah. know, and be a light to and being yeah. a friend to. And so even in those situations, like be the kind of friend that you want to have mm-hmm. to people, especially if it's somebody new in your life, approach them how you would want them to approach you. Right. And just be a good friend and be like Jesus. And maybe you'll get a great friendship out of it, or maybe it won't be a great friendship, but you'll be a great witness for mm-hmm. Jesus. 100%. And that was your role. Like I think of my couple best friends that I've met, I would have never thought that that's how I was going to meet them, right? Mm-hmm. Like one was she was my camp counselor. And when I met her, I would have thought she was like 10 years older than me. And she's like four years older than me yeah. or like three or something. And now we're like dear friends. And she just texted me this morning and she's actually going to be in Arizona at the exact same time we are oh, this year. Fun. And it's like, actually, I'm going to be there. Like texting me like, could I convince you to come to Arizona with me? And it's like, I met this person at 15 mm-hmm. and like by the Lord, just gracious. That is kind of the joy of it is like, you never know when you're going to meet somebody and they're going to become right. a lifelong friend, you know? And even at that moment, she was like light years on like ahead of me in life experience mm-hmm. in spiritual spirituality, serving Jesus. And just, she is my iron sharpening iron friend for mm-hmm. sure. Um, And then like my best friend, it was like in schooling, you know? And I never would have thought I was going to, that, you know, friends, majority of people I went to school with, unless we're in the same town, like it just is like a natural drift, right? Mm -hmm. So you just never know. And I think when you find that person that your personalities just click, that matters a lot too. That's great. All right. um, This next question, I think it could have been even, they might have written in a question about boundaries. Okay. But, and I'm thinking this is what they meant around maybe boundaries or just relationship in general. Or last season, we were focusing on our relationship with things, and this probably is what they were meaning. But it said, does your relationship with food count as a question? Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's some assumption here, but I'm assuming it's like, what do I do with my relationship with food or what should that look like, yep. you know, biblically? Um, yes, it does count as a question. Mm-hmm. Are you, why are you smiling? Because... Feeling. I was thinking it's just fun. Yeah, I don't even know if it's worth saying, but there's there's people who are very like they. It's funny how people bring religion into different areas of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes with a wholehearted approach to the gospel, and other times it's just like. So I've just heard people talk about food in a way that is spiritual. You know, in the same way that people talk about other spheres of life in a way that is spiritual. But when we come back to just like what the Bible says and on a gospel level, like, yeah, God gives parameters around around food. And it really, a lot of these questions are like stewarding. Again, like, what do you do with what's in your hands? And how right. do you how do you be faithful with mm-hmm. the family that you've been given, right. with food, with finances, um, with, with all those different things? Yeah. So. I think this is actually just a really interesting topic mm-hmm. because— because we're married to each other and even just our talks around food have been so interesting in our 10, 12 years of being together, mm-hmm. right? Because Josh is a string bean. He is six four. He is just a rail of a person, just skinny. Always has been his whole life. I am a curvy person and I have been since high school, since I was young, middle school. Remember in volleyball being like, why am I the girl? Like I literally cried going to volleyball tryouts because I had to wear spandex Mm -hmm. and then ended up being my best sport and like was decently good at it. And um, how funny is that? Right. And I almost just didn't play because of the shorts that I had to wear. But do you want to know two funny things about my life from high school? Oh gosh. At separate times, somebody in my family made a comment to me of like, my brother-in-law actually said, yeah, you just like girls with curves oh my and gosh. I married one. And then he also said, 
or somebody else in my family said, you just need to marry like a chiropractor or a PT. Oh, that's <laughs> so hilarious. Maybe those were just in Maybe mind. they were prophetic words. I have yes, no idea. Yeah. No, just kidding. Um, but we've just talked about like, and Josh marrying me and then like after having kids and just different things where I, my body changed and different things changed. And I remember looking at Josh and saying, if I have a self-control issue, I need you to tell me because hmm. I don't feel like I'm doing anything different than before we had kids or at this point in our life. And and then we had this like beautiful conversation of where Josh was like, I can pretty much eat whatever I want. Like I okay, don't so necessarily- Okay, so let's just dispel the myth that mm-hmm. skinny on the outside means healthy on the inside. Yeah, there's something called is, skinny fat. Yeah, like that's not even- I hate those words in general, but it just means like- It's not like, a true thing. Body BMI might be one way, but like arteries might be another way. Mm-hmm. That's really what it means. Yeah. So I think- And maybe I don't know if this person at all, and I love that we just get the questions. We don't get listed like who wrote it. So I don't, I'm assuming if you're asking about your relationship with food, that maybe there's been a wrestle around it or like shame around it. Um, I love kind of the movement in general and cultural around like, I wouldn't say a movement. It's kind of just like new language where people, I was raised. I mean, it still is a massive diet culture. Diets are like, Um, a huge money-making industry, but just really grew up with like good food, bad food. And really the reality of food is either it nourishes you or it doesn't. And it's Mm -hmm. a choice, right? And um, and the only control God gave us is self-control. And that's what he expects of us, right? In our relationship with food. And so what would, what impacts your relationship with food, you know, would be if, if I'm like wondering on this topic, that's what I would ask. And I know I've done a ton of work on that. Uh-huh. I've done a ton of things where when I became a mom, why was it every time I got the kids in the car that I was like, no, I'm getting the, oh gosh, what did it used to be that I got? When I, when I would say when I wasn't well emotionally in some areas where I'd go and get the white chocolate mocha at iced white chocolate mocha at Starbucks. And then I realized all the crap that was in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so yeah. bad for me. But um, but I had to stop and thankfully with the Lord realize, no, you're like allowing that to soothe you. Like you're like, I made it out of the house. I deserve this. You know, it's like, do you though? Like, mm-hmm. do you need that? So um, this, think, yeah, it's just something close to my heart. And I don't know, like, I don't want to be stereotypical. Yeah. Um, Because I don't know if it's like diet culture and things like that that have caused more challenges for women with food. Like just societally, there's a stereotype. Like if you're going to talk about food-related issues, it's going to be, it's geared towards women, like emotional eating and things like that. Mm -hmm. It happens across all different kinds of people, but there is a stereotype. Yes. Um, Well, because there's far more expectations upon women. There has been in history. mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's something to- Even, yeah, I, I think of- this happened when we got married. People would make comments about how skinny you are. Mm-hmm. Or at a family gathering, Josh, you need to eat more. You're so skinny. And Josh once said to me, so do I get permission to come and say, oh, you should put less on your plate because you you need to lose some weight. Oh, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. But it's acceptable to make comments about how skinny I am. And we just tell our kids, like, we don't comment on other people's bodies. don't comment bodies. on people's bodies. Um, sorry, my, so sorry, my point was, whether the stereotype is fair or not, or even a hundred percent true, there is a tendency because of how the culture is for women to struggle with this Mm -hmm. area with, you know, eating or getting the Starbucks or whatever as an emotional aid. And I think that's what people just like, there's a stereotype for men to cope with their loneliness or their lack of overcoming through stuff that they view on screens, Right, you know? And so Which think, isn't as, and I think probably like 30 years ago is like more true than mm-hmm. now it's like more broad of like, no, this is pretty much across the board. So a lot of times, yes, our relationship with food, whether you're a man, woman, whatever. But I think um, that's what you have to look at is like, okay, am I, am I using this to cope yeah, or am I using, yeah, emotions. Um, there just, there is really interesting um, statistics and um I, I always see places where like you have to give like trigger warnings. Like I'm going to talk about something that might cause someone to feel that way. Um, but I, and I don't know exactly what it was, but there are some interesting studies done with 
um, just wrestling with food, whether it's eating disorders or just mm -hmm. like a lack of self-control and tying back to sexual, a form of sexual abuse, mm. um, which we're finding the number is crazy high from kids being exposed even to something. It doesn't have to be a repeated thing, um, just something too. And so, yeah, I, I do think a lot is emotional, which oftentimes at the root can be spiritual because if the enemy can get us into a lie, you know, and in agreement with a lie around food, um, then he can get us in a really bad shame cycle, right? So that would require so much more than the time mm -hmm. we have to dig mm -hmm. into. But um, we could, I some good resources. Um, Made to Crave by Lisa Turkhurst is so good. I read it multiple, multiple times. It is practical. It's about her own story mm -hmm. and her own struggle in regards to her relationship with food and how God has redeemed it. Um, so that is the one resource I would say is like a really beautiful resource. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think if you are wrestling with your relationship with food, letting someone into that, a trusted person, maybe it is your spouse if they're a healthy individual, because I think even for me to go to Josh and say like, man, I need, in the fact of discipleship, we should always be addressed if we are not having the fruit of self-control mm -hmm. in our life. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, and that needs to be first and foremost, you know, yeah, if, if I'm out of control. That's kind of the question that I kept coming back to in my mind is just, am I using this or am I abusing this? You know, am I going to use my TV to watch yeah. the national championship football game or am I abusing you know, whatever TV service I have to cope, you right. know, or to, and so just like looking that way with, and people do it with money, right? People, mm -hmm. people overspend, you know, or don't spend as right. control, control and coping. And so there could think, be a lack of control or there could be food in your relationship is the only place you feel control. Yeah. So there's a restriction or there is like, you are so, you know, it's an idol, you know, mm -hmm. in your life. So. And I mean, the Bible, Right next to every other sin, you know, talks about gluttony and don't, don't mm -hmm. get caught using this or letting it have control over you is really the heart of scripture mm -hmm. is don't let things outside of the Holy Spirit have control over your life. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. supposed to have control. And so I think that's, that's the heart of it. Right. Yeah. I, I always joke about like, we were talking to someone about parenting the other day and I said, I just wish there were some more specific examples where he's like, do this, don't do this. It's all biblical principles that we need to like, need his wisdom to apply. And I think in some of this is true too, you know? I mean, you see in the, the Old Testament and under the law, there was so many rules around food. And, um, but then I love Jesus clarifies, like it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's like, it's mm -hmm. what's in your heart. So what um, comes out of your mouth. And the Holy Spirit is so faithful to lead, show, reveal where you are using your relationship with food to cope with things that only he can heal and restore. So, yeah. 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 But I love that so much of Jesus' life was around a table and nourishing food and literally enjoying people Seriously. and enjoying food together. Yep. It is such a beautiful part of the body of Christ, which is like gathering around a table and enjoying fellowship with one another and food. Yep. So. Uh, moderation, people. When we feel ourselves going out of moderation, it's time to ask what's oh going on. Oh my goodness. On our, our uh, one of, well, our oldest kid is learning to read and we, I was driving him to town on New Year's Eve to get some sparkling cider. And there's the sign on the side of the road he said, it said like, drive sober, get pulled over. And he, he's like, what does that even mean? And I was like, well, there's this thing called alcohol. And and like in the most describe it to a seven-year-old in words that they'd understand to someone who doesn't see anyone drinking. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, we've chosen not to drink uh, with our lives. So literally just has never seen this, you know? And um, and I kind of just explained it. Like it kind of just can make you make foolish choices or like you can't see straight or just, you know, your head gets kind of fuzzy and things yeah. like that. And he just goes, mom, why is there not a law against drinking any or like making any alcohol or something it's like well oddly enough <laughs> they tried it actually was more unsafe you know like it made it was things worse. worse why because the law isn't going to fix it it's right. a matter of the heart but it was just a beautiful opportunity to say you know what hun um i don't think 
that in and of itself is the problem. It's self-control that's the problem. And um, if people could master that, we wouldn't have to worry about that, you know, mm-hmm. a sober mind. But And then you leaned across the counter and said, because my dreams are too big for drugs. Yeah. <laughs> which are. apparently is what they teach at school, which is great. Which is good. Yeah. So, okay. Next one, which is a big one. Last one. Last one. Oh, gosh. We are. Yep. Sorry. I've been going off of my clock on my computer. It's all right. Okay. We can, try, it. we can try one to punch these last one. Huh? Last one. Here we Last go. ones. Last one. <laughs> this is, I don't know if you guys know, but when, we love doing this podcast, but the tension in our marriage is when to end them. Josh is an on-time ender. My, okay. it, it's actually, I'm good with it. My heart is in it. My bladder wants a break. So oh, your poor that's, bladder. that's what we're up against okay. here. When is it biblically right? You guys, sometimes I get on the stage to preach having to go to the bathroom just so that I have a little <gasps> bit more urgency. <laughs> no. Not so long-winded. It's true. No. Sometimes I'm making the decision on the front row, like, should I run to the bathroom quick? I'm like, nope, I'll preach with more urgency if I got to go. <laughs> Nobody knows that. I've never said that out loud before. So. Well, I guess I was going to say the pros of listening to the podcast. I don't yeah. know if it's a pro or con that you know that. Now, now you but. know. Okay. When is it biblically right to end your relationship with a family member? Oh, Lord Jesus. I know. Us. It's a big question. So- this is what's hard is I, this to me should be a conversation, mm-hmm. not a blanket statement. No, it's not a blanket statement. It is not because this person could be talking about family member as their spouse. They could mm-hmm. be talking about their third cousin. They could be talking about their parent. You know, it's just like, there's so many, there's no one answer. That's why I've tried to start saying, we're doing a question and a response. Yeah. Because this is our response. It's not the one answer, right? Yep. Um, Can I just ask this question is, yeah. is when is it biblically right to end your relationship with a family member? The wrong question. Well. The, to view it as an end. Is it? So some of that you're saying like, oh, that was the wrong question to ask. It's like the question should be what instead. Yeah, sorry. I'm not trying to rebuke the person yes, who asked it, but I'm just, I'm challenging the premise of the question yes. a little bit. So you could, you could take this question as, can you show me the verses that would support me cutting off this person? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which you can go to scripture and take any verses, piece together whatever you want to support your idea, agenda, whatever. What would be the question that you would think should be asked? Uh, the question that I think would be asked is when do I go to the most extreme boundaries yeah. with this person, knowing that there's always a chance of redemption? Yeah. Well, I think that's the first thing is do we ever officially end? You I know? don't, I because, wrestle with that. Yeah. Because, and it should be a wrestle, right? Like this should be a huge wrestle. Um, I think... Again, there's we don't know the context of the situation. We don't know if there's massive abuse. If there's, right. you know, I mean, I just talked with someone this past week where, I mean, I've had now many instances of this where they've disclosed that literally someone that abused them in a certain way is attending yeah. church. Yeah, and we've talked. And what do we do? What do I do with that? You we've know? talked about, I mean, with the number of people, mm-hmm. you know, who are incarcerated, who are watching Evangel, many of those people are going to get out of prison and they're going to come to church Mm -hmm. and are we training our people to be redemptive in nature right because it's not a huge community and you might know somebody or it might have they might have affected your life in some way and so how do we live redemptive in nature so i and i get it if this is family and you're in constant relationship and so so i think there is some steps right so mm -hmm. an end to a relationship so I think you can have proximity to someone with little to no relationship with them. Does that make sense? So like relationship is like a knowing. It is a transfer of information. There is a trust, right? So you could go back and listen to the last episode, which is like a lot about boundaries, a lot about toxic, you know, dynamics and families and how to handle them. But there are steps, right? Which would be like first um, boundaries, which just define yourself, which that is a communication of those boundaries, um, which define you to that person. 
Um, Because there needs to, there must be a reason why you'd be wanting to end your relationship with this family Mm -hmm. member. Um, Sorry, what were you going to say? And probably a legitimate reason for someone to ask this question. Yeah. Yeah. And in our human nature, like, yes, there are like, and for how broken the world is, like, there's so many valid reasons Mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, why would you have a relationship with this person if they X, Y, Z? I don't see anywhere, you know. And I see a lot in scripture about forgiveness, you know, turning the other cheek, being, you know, loving our enemies. Um, God does not want to position and force us into being walked on, manipulated, abused, all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, obviously, you know, out of his love for us. But um, so, gosh, it's not just a straightforward answer. It's like very nuanced. I think, number one, if you're not safe and i mean yes. safe physically you know there's then, a threat to your life yeah, because of then, this person then you create all the stops even overreacting initially you know in order to be, be safe. safe you know so i just don't want to take that for granted i think after that if you're like in a relationship with somebody who every time you talk to them or like they're just tearing at your character, they're tearing at your nature, they're tearing at your self-esteem. Yeah. You know, or there's habits of emotional or, you know, verbal abuse, then then you start to increase boundaries. That's hey, I'm not gonna let you talk to me that way. You know, and if it continues, then and you continue to push those boundaries mm-hmm. out, which could come to the point of, you know what, we're taking a break and mm-hmm. we're not gonna be in contact, you know. And so I don't know if we Mm -hmm. have time to like step through what each one of those boundaries looks like. I do think you need the assistance of somebody like a resource, like Lisa Turker's other book, you know, where she talks about boundaries. Yeah, good boundaries and goodbyes. Or a counselor who's going to step you through like, okay, here's the first. And hold you accountable to where you're wrong. Yeah. Because I 100% in my own nature would cut relationship with someone out of being like, well, we're done. That. It's going to be easier. It's going to be cleaner. Mm -hmm. This is complicated. But most, like I would say, I don't know how many family dynamics don't have a complicated aspect to it. I think it is hard if you are submitted to and serving Jesus and your family is and the family member is not. That's a different level too, where you're not speaking even on the same level of belief system. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's just really hard because the person that wrote this might speak to that family member every day. And the thought of not picking up the phone when they call would be like, I've ended that relationship. You know, yeah. it could be, there's already a lot of distance and I'm literally know, just cutting like. And the North form. Dakota way though, a little bit is to like not really deal with it. And then yeah. to just try to whack deal with it and cut them off. And right. I'm saying, you know, you got to bring your full self. You got to push out the boundaries. You, you know, it shouldn't be a shock. Yeah. I think you know? a verse that, and there's, I think obviously if the person who wrote this isn't reading the word and getting wisdom from the word of God, like you need to hear from the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and that's through his word, not just from like any idea that pops in your mind. Okay. Yeah. But Romans 16 verses 17 and 18 says, I urge you brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that mm-hmm. are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Yeah. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. And so, um, obviously, there's some, that's just one little snippet of different parts of scripture that could give instruction for kind of how to deal with, especially if they're causing division, putting obstacles in your way. Like, and we've had people come to us and say, What do I do? My family was like outright opposing my belief system in me serving Jesus, you know? So that's a form of persecution. And mm-hmm. yes, we should all, if we're following Jesus, be able to withstand per- persecution. Um, but yeah, do you need to have wisdom around that? Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say about it is when you get to that point, you shouldn't be cutting somebody out or removing them out of punishment. It should right. be out of safeguarding and out of boundary. Mm-hmm. And that's different. And I'm just, I just, I've heard a lot of people or sometimes people processing their hurt or their frustration and they want to punish somebody by cutting them off. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way forward, right. but it's out of expanding the space mm-hmm. between us for my health and for yours. Right. Um, and I can even think of an exact scenario with 
a family member that was wanting to connect like all the time. And there's just complexities to it Mm -hmm. and different things within it. And I have just found that I can love them better when there's not a lot of contact, when there's like a ton of contact, then there's little comments or fights or where I would just say like unnecessary quarreling. Um, Mm -hmm. And I actually just like, I think it was via text. I don't remember if it was verbal or text, but just said it like, Hey, I actually feel that I can love you better and like, well, when it, we're not doing that Yeah. when it's only at this frequency, Yeah. you know, and that's on me, you know, and I'm owning that. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying you're this and you're that. And so I have to, it's like, no, I can, I'm at a better space to love you well mm-hmm. and have the capacity when um, it's at this frequency. So yeah. Th- yeah. I just think it's worth reiterating. If you're in a situation where you're not safe, you should create immediate distance, you know, oh, yeah, bring someone safe or, into bring it. Of what should yeah. I do? So How I don't, should I? Yeah. those are just very different conversations, you know, yes. and that's and what's that's hard, what's about, so the hard about these yeah. because you're like, this could go a million ways, yeah, right? Yeah. And you might have read that question. You're like, yeah, yeah, you weren't even close. But yeah. you know what? We but did our best with what we had. if you're in that situation where you're thinking about ending a relationship like that, hopefully you've reached out to your church yeah, you or need a pastor counsel. or a counselor to help you navigate that. Yeah, wise counsel for sure. Okay. Awesome. This is fun. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Till next time. Till next time. See ya.